Hello and welcome everyone to Weekend Rental episode 62. We are your gaming and geek culture podcast. My name is Ryan. As always, I'm joined by Andy. Hey. And Nate. What's going on, guys? Welcome, fellas. All right, so if you are new to the podcast, you can find us in all your podcasty places. You can also catch our content over at Geekade. Whether it's movies, beer, comics, more, uh, there's content out there, videos, articles, uh, podcasts, all of it at geekade.com. What's your geek? Let's move into our opening segment, Byron Burn. Basically, what we do is we'll all pick a game for a given system. We'll play them individually, and then we'll decide which ones we would personally buy, rent, or burn. The system this episode is the Sega Master System, and Andy has gone with Montezuma's Revenge. Nate has selected Basketball Nightmare, and I've gone with Alien Syndrome. Let's go back through and talk about these a little bit more in depth. Uh, So Montezuma's Revenge. Description on this one, according to GameFAQs, once you start this game, you are Panama Joe. In 11 graduated levels of gameplay, you race against perils and time through 100 room mazes of Emperor Montezuma's death-dealing pyramids. Your goal? Collect a fortune hidden in, that, hidden in Aztec loot, rack up points, and stay alive. So grab a torch and enter the first pyramid, but keep your eyes and ears open, or you could become the next victim of Montezuma's revenge. <laughs> Am I mistaken? But I thought Montezuma's Revenge is like, don't drink the water, right? Right, yes. Okay. I don't think you could name a game this now and get away with it. No. No, it's kind of become the di- the the diarrhea thing. This could Actually, I could see this being a VR game now. Where it's just like inside a bathroom stall. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just sitting there. Yep. Yeah, that wouldn't be very. Uh, it, it wouldn't really do a lot for your like uh, exercise in VR. <laughs> no, just sitting there. it'd be more of one of those like simulation experience VRs instead of like actual game. <laughs> it could work yeah. though. Somebody make it happen. <laughs> Quick! Now you need your head in the toilet. Now you need to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Grab the plunger. Uh oh, you're on a toilet paper. Knock on the stall next to you. Uh. That sounds, yeah. Simulating probably the, the worst parts of it life, right? Yeah. That would not be great. Well, I don't know. I kind of like it. <laughs> uh, this game isn't that bad. Like, it, I, I wouldn't compare it to Diarrhea. No. It's, it's kind of a classic, more so known for the Atari uh, versions of this game. Yeah. Um, I just kind of think PC. Like, I played this on early PCs. Yeah a lot sooner like i didn't even know it's got a master system port yeah i mean it's it's a lot like you know a lot of those games back in the day especially pc games like you said mode runner and you know those those type of spelunker type games yeah pick it's very similar to pitfall as well kind of finding keys and stuff like that and you know very basic platforming yeah but but yeah, somehow I think this very made... basic, very basic everything though. Yeah, visuals, uh, music, controls. I'm no music. 
It's dead silence. There was that and sweet intro section though, enemy. where your guys like charging up the hill and like the scaling is happening. That was pretty cool. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. But other than that, but it, like, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty pretty empty as far as sound goes. There isn't a random sound effect here and there when you're facing enemies, right? And the leaping or the jumping, but. It definitely seems like they kind of forgot some of those details, or they were very limited at what they were doing anyways. Um, yeah, it's really kind of strange, but it is very PC, very early yeah. PC. And if you look at like some of the screenshots from some of the other PC, like early PC iterations, like they all look substantially better, or for the most part, than this version, which is weird because usually the Sega Master System you see pretty good graphical fidelity uh but this one they i don't feel like they put a lot of effort into porting this one over i think it probably got ported over quickly and they were hoping it was going to sell on name alone because really this was kind of one of those games that everybody played back in the day and you know as andy was mentioning with all the games like that back then really montezuma's revenge is sort of the template for a lot of popular indie games now you know, Sydney Hunter yeah. and Spelunker. I mean, there's still a lot of nostalgia for games like this in, in current day. Yeah. It, it is disappointing, though, that they didn't try and do more. I mean, the game originally came out in, like, 84, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, by the time it got to Master System, it was probably 89, 88. So, like, you couldn't tell me you couldn't add some music, you know? Or... Even the even the the feel of the game was very clunky, right? Yeah, the controls were sloppy. Yeah, like clip like clipping and like ledge detection, I felt was a problem. Like I <laughs> fell a lot when I really felt like I shouldn't have, but I don't know. And the jumping was really strange. Um, there was a lot of jumping in the game, a lot of jumping that you have to do, and I guess you know the top portion of the platform that you are on seems short shorter for like the actual jump so you kind of go up and then slide over yeah uh, it, it is very i mean it is kind of a pc jump but it just doesn't doesn't flow well it doesn't um, look natural on the on the jumping or anything like that but it was surprising that they didn't do much much more to it. Yeah, it would be like on Mario where if you wanted to make a jump, instead of jumping from below up, you like jumped sideways. And that's how you had to make jumps. And it just, it's not quite that like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it all kind of just led to a game where you're feeling like you're never really in control and you're fighting the controls more than you are navigating the game itself. Kind of like diarrhea. You're never in control. I think that's a... Perfect segue. <laughs> Let's go on to the next game here. Uh, Nate's pick, Basketball Nightmare. For what it's worth, I think this is like a Brazil game only. Uh, definitely not US. Maybe PAL. I'm not sure. Um, description, you are the captain of the hometown high school's basketball team. You've won the tournament and are trying to win the All-American High School Championship. But then one night you had a very strange dream. That does a terrible job of explaining this game. Is that it? That's it. They don't talk about how oh my gosh. monsters and werewolves doing slam dunks. Wow. So I, I chose this game strictly off of title. 
<laughs> I, I saw basketball and then I was like, nightmare, what could this be? And so instantly my imagination starts going off and I, I'm thinking it, it's some s- splatter house or, or whatever, something like cutesy nightmare basketball player throwing a basketball, killing people. But it's a basketball game. That's really all it is, is uh, a basketball game of um, six different stages. Um, I guess you, played this long you are human. You are human, I guess, uh, a team that all looks the same. Uh, so you're all the same player times five. And then you're playing each stage. You're playing, I guess, different monsters. So you would, uh, you would do werewolves. You would do vampires. Uh, one-eyed monsters as you get further in. Uh, there's no boss battles or anything like that. It just gets more difficult and faster pace as you go through the different stages. Yeah, It has very similar cutscenes to like double dribble uh, when you're dunking, yep. but a lot better. They're amazing. Like, they look <laughs> really, really crisp and good. The enemies have, have uh, the, the cutscene as well. But it is the same cutscene. It's not something different or a different motion or a different face or anything like that. It's very, very similar. So that was the only, I would say, exciting piece was those cutscenes for a while. And then it just kind of became this monotonous thing. And it's it's a basketball game. It really is. Yeah. I kind of like likened it a little bit to like the Kunio Kun sports games. Yes. Like it felt like almost like a super dodgeball or a world championship soccer type vibe where it's like compact little characters, simple controls, like everything plays tight. Um, and it's just got that kind of feel to it and action pacing. But I mean, those animated scenes kind of really brought it to a whole next level with how well they were done. I think the thing that's difficult with this game is, you know, you kind of enjoy it, but you're playing against the computer. I think where this would shine is couch co-op. I think this would actually be a game I could sit down with a buddy and, you know, play through a few games together. Um, so it's kind of hard to really get a full feel for what I think this game could be, but I enjoyed what I saw. It's like you said, it is just a basketball game, but it's a really well done kind of cutesy package. Yeah. I mean the Sega master system, that's really like the colors are so bright right. and so vibrant yeah. and it just looks so good um so when that first cutscene came up i was like oh my gosh this looks amazing and then you kind of go back to the the blah background of <laughs> basketball and it was very simple i think it says a lot like when you boot up the game the first option where the cursor lands is cpu versus cpu like right. you just want to watch this you don't want to <laughs> actually play it <laughs> I know that is a weird choice, isn't it? Like you put that as your first option. How many kids booted into that and were like, "What? What's going on here?" <laughs> yeah, I I also love like how those cutscenes also um, show the failures as well. So like if he'll do like a front flip and then like totally doink it on the rim, like yeah, <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's pretty sweet. Yeah. But it's tough to go back to this type of game after like NBA Jam because it's like, where's the turbo button? You know, like it's so slow and yeah, but uh, that just comes with the the enemies or not even the enemies, the players would cross over each other. And so you, (laughs) you'd lose a guy behind your guy 
And it was really confusing, especially if you're playing defense. You're like, where did my guy go as he's in front of you? And so there was definitely some clipping and some really kind of strange things like that. It wasn't super, super clean. That kind of was a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely could have made like a few quality of life improvements and added a bit more depth to like the the passing and the strategy. Because that was, I think that was the overall thing that it lacked was clear like clear and fun strategies to be better at the game. Like it was very simple and like I mean, passing wasn't overly effective. Everybody moved super slow. So it's not like you can break away. It's just kind of like this very slow game again, like the Kunio Kun games of, of basketball, but with freaking monsters. That's adorable. I wish I could play as teen wolf and I could play both sides of the ball. I know I was kind of waiting for like there to be a transition where like the humans like morphed into something, but it just never happened. (laughs) All right, let's go to the last game here. Alien syndrome, my pick. Uh, Let's get a long description. We'll see how far we get in this one. Um, A mysterious alien space fleet has invaded human occupied space called the alien syndrome. They are the deadliest creatures mankind has ever encountered and alien syndrome shoots first. And ask no questions. A battalion of your friends attacks the alien fleet. They are captured and held hostage. Earth Command sends one soldier to get them back. You. I'll just cut it off there because there's like a lot more to that. Uh, So yeah, Alien Syndrome arcade game, I believe, originally. Is that Mm -hmm. true? Mm -hmm. Um, It's basically kind of uh, a commando-ish type game where you're top down um, shooting everything on screen but there's a little bit more of a rescue mission to it where you are going through trying to upgrade your weapons uh, that you find along the way but you're also rescuing your fellow humans uh, from the enemies on screen this uh, this is one of those games that I feel like over the years I keep bringing up as a kind of a hidden gem that's pretty inexpensive on the NES and uh, nine times out of ten when I say that the person always responds it's better on the master system um, it's not it, it, the aliens look better. They almost look like 3d modeled almost. That's because um, they're actual aliens from the movie, Alien. from the movie, even the cover art <laughs> just gleams yeah. that unapologetically awful cover art too, which is not surprising for the Sega master system. Uh, but what happens on the Sega master system is the, the fundamental gameplay has not changed, but instead of a game where you scroll through an open map, you are essentially kind of taking it back to the Atari, 2600 days where you're going room to room uh and to me it makes for a much chunkier experience um and while the enemies might have more detail i think the overall level does not so i think there's a trade-off there too um this is not it's hard for me to like look at this without keeping the nes version in mind because this isn't a bad game by any means when you compare it to its other 8-bit counterpart like i just cannot enjoy playing this one because i could be playing the much a, a version of it that I prefer much more on another system, I guess. The controls on this game drove me nuts. I think it's just the going left to right and hitting diagonal and it needs to try to control stick. your guy. Yeah, for sure. But just trying to guide that guy to shoot was pretty obnoxious. And as you kind of traverse through the levels, I mean, there's aliens coming all different directions. And so it, it makes it 
it makes it very difficult to uh to just kind of get away from them and navigate away from them i always thought it was i think there's a lot of weapon upgrades yeah throughout the whole game and so i think the concept of the game is really dumb because these humans are sitting in a room with a whole bunch of weapons why can't they just save themselves <laughs> because then, they can't walk over to the wall and grab them off they're too short you're saving midgets short. this six foot five gargantuan has to go in alone and grab them off the top shelf <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i guess the favorite my favorite upgrade was the flame thrower i think was probably the best weapon yeah. that i satisfying yeah. i liked yeah yeah i think i think the second master system looks better but yeah just the overall like i don't think the weapon some of the weapons aren't as good on this one as in the nes but actually due to the limitations of the hardware even um but and it's it's fucking hard this game is incredibly hard like even I was, I got to that first boss, and I'm like, I'm just gonna cheese it just to see what the next level is. Yeah, and it took me a billion retries just at that at the first boss just to get through it. It's he's a sponge a little bit. Is this now? I didn't look, but was it? I assume there's a two player option in this too, right? You know, I didn't look either because on on the NES version that was like one of the things I liked. But I suppose I do have game facts up. Let's see if that tells me anything. Because, yeah, that's, I mean, the thing is, is Alien Syndrome isn't all that different from a lot of other games exactly like this of that era. So when you see a version like this that's just kind of like struggling to kind of keep itself afloat, it's kind of hard to appreciate it too much. Because you've got your commandos, you've got your guerrilla warrior, um, all that stuff. Your time soldier. <laughs> yeah, which also has a terrible port to the Master System. What is it with this type of game? I don't know. I guess it doesn't say in here whether it's two player. I'm going to assume it is, but yeah, my probably more tolerable with a friend really, but yeah, that isn't uh that isn't the way we do things here. So we don't have friends though. <laughs> we don't, we don't even like each other. We just do this <laughs> out of spite. 62 uh, episodes it's not... of angst and misery. I just want you guys to know it's not you guys. It's me. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate your honesty. That's my mantra. That's my mantra. I live by that. You finally got it, Ryan. You got it for once. Wow. I feel I've, it's so satisfying. I, you know, when other people talked about it, I always wondered what that would be like. Thanks, Andy. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's go through and uh, give our, our verdicts. Andy, we'll start with you. Which ones are you going to buy or which game are you going to buy, rent or burn? I think I'm going to buy Montezuma's Revenge, which is crazy for a port that's from an old 80s game to a Master System. And I don't think they did enough to actually update it that much, but it was the game out of these three that I would probably play more and want to continue exploring. Um, my rent, I think, is going to be uh, Basketball Nightmare. Because it, it does the job, it looks good. It's just after you know ten minutes, it's like yeah, you you have a basketball game. You know, it just has monster sprites in it more than <laughs> yeah the basic NBA ones. But uh, 
And then my burn is going to be Alien Syndrome. I think you're completely right. The NES version is way better than this. Thank you. Finally, someone agrees with me. Which is terrible to say, considering it's a Sega game, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It was a tension cart. So, yep. I, yeah. I believe it's a Sega made game and it's better on the Nintendo hardware. Damn it. Nate, how about you? I'm having a tough one. I don't know. I think they're all kind of subpar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In equal they're ways. Not... <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. This one's a tough one for me. I don't think I'd buy any uh, of these unless they were on clearance, to put it fairly. Right. That's <laughs> kind of how I feel about them. I think I'm going to buy, not because it's mine, but Basketball Nightmare. Whatever. Well, if you, you have think... to preface it with not because it's mine, <laughs> because it's yours. Okay, because it's okay, mine. Thank you for being honest. I, I'm going to buy Basketball <laughs> Nightmare. Um, not that there's depth to it or any, it's, it is a, just a basketball game, sprite swaps, nothing special. The cutscenes are cool, but when you're putting it up against these other two games, I think it's a little more superior just visually. Um, and I think I'm going to rent Moctezuma's revenge. I think, I think that's going to be my rent. Most people, there's some exploring in there. There's. That's a diarrhea joke. There's some decent, ex- yeah, I got okay. it. <laughs> I'm just trying to, just trying to keep on going here. Um, <laughs> hence the diarrhea joke to continue. Uh, gosh. Um, yeah, there's, there's some depth to this game and some exploration. I think that's fun, but just the basic graphics and no music kind of makes it difficult for me to play. I think that's a big part of my, video game experience is sound and i love that part about a lot of games and just when there isn't a soundtrack of any sort it's just weird to me yeah and uh i guess my burn is going to be alien syndrome i agree with you guys it's better on the nes version we all agreed on something (laughs) this is really really strange and um yeah i'm just not a fan of of that game so uh, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah. Um, so, you know, like you, like we were saying, this is tough cause they're all kind of mediocre in their own way. I think I'm going to buy Montezuma's revenge. And a lot of that is just nostalgia for having played that game when I was really little, uh, my neighbors across the street, I think I, I don't even know if I was in kindergarten yet, had gotten a PC. It was the first kind of home computer I'd seen with like video games. You know, it wasn't the Apple with the green screen, they had color and everything. And this was one of the games they'd played. Um, oh, wow. So I have fond memories of it. Obviously at that age, I was terrible at it, but we still would try. So to see this kind of game in this style of game and remember playing that as a kid, even though this is kind of a botched version of it, there's still some charm to that for me and some nostalgia. So I'm going to buy Montezuma's revenge. Um, I will rent basketball nightmare just because like I said, I, you know, there's nothing outstanding about it. It is just a basketball game, but I think the two player couch co-op aspect of this would justify, you know, having a buddy over doing a sleepover, you know, as a kid and, and playing a game like this for a weekend or as an adult. Uh, yeah. Or an adult. That's fine too. Uh, clothing optional. Um, and I would burn alien syndrome just because this isn't a good version of this game, despite a lot of people's opinions. So come at me, bro. 
I'm burning it. I'm going to play it on my Nintendo. Have you guys played the remake? I have not. Alien Syndrome for the Wii? Yeah. yeah. I think I bought it. I can look over my shelf right now, but I have not played it. I was always curious. Um, it seemed like that was one that was like in bargain bins right away, though. I think it might have been a budget title to start. I should play it. Probably. Have you? No, I don't. I don't know if it's like a remake or if it's like they just made it waggle. Yeah, controls or that's something, the problem, you know? isn't it, with the Wii? I should find a copy of that. I really thought I had it, but I don't think I do. I do want to play that, though. Be worth checking out. If anybody knows, hit us up on Twitter or send us an email. We can rental podcast at gmail.com. And with that, another Byron Burn in the books. Sega challenges you with the ultimate video game, the Sega Master System. Hang on, hang on. With more accurate control, more detailed graphics, more levels of play. Awesome! The Sega Master System comes with power base, two control pads, light phaser, and two great video games. Hang on, and Safari Hunt. Gotcha! And with other games like Ramble, Outrun, and Choplifter, the excitement never stops. The Sega Master System. The challenge will always be there. Let's move on from Byron Byrne. Uh, instead of kind of talking about gaming news and what we're playing we're going to do something a little bit different because we're coming up on the end of a decade uh i thought it would be fun to maybe just kind of take a look at the last 10 years and all of us kind of share some thoughts um you know what happened with gaming our our gaming experiences maybe some of our collecting experiences things that happened in our lives revolving around gaming in that decade um just kind of see where the conversation goes I think like, I'll just kick it, kind of kick it off. Like I, I was looking at this a little bit and I was trying to think like, what was I, what was I doing 10 years ago? What was I playing? And I kind of, I, I was slow to get into, um, the previous generation. Um, you know, I'd gotten out of college. I'd sold off a lot of like the current gaming consoles. I still like I've collected for many, many years since high school. So I still had like my old school stuff, but you know, the, the PlayStation twos and the game, like that stuff was gone. I didn't have a home console. Um, so when I was married and we had a house and no kids yet, and that's kind of when I got late into like the Xbox 360 and PS3 era. And I think the thing that I just look back to 2010 at and all I can think about and all that consumed me for about three years straight was call of duty annual releases of call of duty starting with modern warfare 2 i think that came out in 09 and i just played i think i i want to say like as an adult i think the last decade was probably the most video gaming i've ever played in my adult life and will probably go down as the decade that i played i just i can't to that extent anymore you know i was still relatively young i could stay up late wake, wake up you know ready to go for work on three hours of sleep i didn't have kids to get uh off the school and i just played call of duty like a maniac every day I, I don't know why i did that for so many years i think a lot of people did right like yeah it was such a huge thing i i never got into that just never interests me i played the single player a lot but 
multiplayer was just never. Well, that's funny because like I've bought, I don't know, I I probably bought almost every Call of Duty game for six years straight, and I I have yet to play a campaign in any of them. <laughs> I've only ever launched into multiplayer. <laughs> that's pretty funny. And I thought you know I would probably like that because it has. I mean, it's basically taking multiplayer and adding RPG mechanics because it's leveling up and yeah, all that stuff. Oh, and you get that sweet leveling music, and it's like freaking <laughs> awesome every time you level up. So yeah. satisfying. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. My ten years is definitely definitely changed big time, especially recently. I would say in the last just handful of years. You know, I, I was kind of opposite of you. I was still playing NES. I mean, that's all I ever focused on for many, many years. Um, and that's just what I played for forever. And so I missed out on all this new gen stuff that was coming out. And, you know, people were getting GameCubes. I was still playing the NES. People were getting PlayStations and PlayStation 2, 3, etc. And I would still be playing the NES. It wasn't until until I met you guys, essentially, in the last you know few years, three years or so, that we've known each other, or a couple of years, that you're like, guys, Nate, you need to start playing something <laughs> that is that is new. And so my my first experience was getting a PlayStation Four way late in in the game. What was that last year? Maybe. Yeah. Well, you were you were an early Switch adopter, though. You jumped right into that, right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. The Nintendo Switch was my first kind of leap into new gen, yeah. and there was this massive gap. And so the Switch, I really really enjoyed. I think it's something great. But the PlayStation, when I when I started up the PlayStation Four, I was like. Oh my gosh, I missed out <laughs> on some pretty incredible stuff. And so playing Horizon Zero Dawn for the first time last year, I was blown away. And I always laugh because Ryan's like, well, welcome back to 2000 whatever. <laughs> yeah, I just remember having you over. We did like that live stream. We streamed something stupid like Team like Bro Force. Oh, Bro Force. And then like before yeah. you left, because I knew you were a big Breath of the Wild guy, I was like, here and i gave you the controller and put on like horizon zero dawn you were just like jawed at the floor like <laughs> oh my gosh yeah. it just looked so good and i never i mean i'm kind of strange different than a lot of people that i've really hardcore nintendo i stick with them i don't really waver i i've never owned a playstation or anything like that so i just assume nothing can get better i mean there's good games out there but you know breath of the wild it, it's not going to top that and breath of the wild great game one of my favorites probably <laughs> top three for sure but visually is very different than the playstation yeah and so yeah. i feel like in just the last couple of years it's just been this onslaught of man this stuff is awesome and so i'm so late so in the last 10 years I've jumped from 8-bit to like PC quality or nearly PC quality gaming. Um, and so that, that's that been really fun for me to learn about this new gen stuff that I missed out on. And it's really overwhelming. My collection as a whole has just changed so much 
NES is all I've ever had until I go game hunting with you guys and you're like, pick this up, buy this. You need this. <laughs> you don't know how many times I'm I've thrown things way in more your money. pile. Like, just don't worry about it. Just you're getting this. Don't ask. Don't ask any questions. Just, just get it. And so all of a sudden, my my collection is becoming more eclectic, and it gives me some slight anxiety because now I feel like I gotta just collect for everything. So you really open this like crazy door in the last few well, years. Well, like I told you, it's like. You get to a point with your NES collection where you're at the rares, like, and all of the stuff, even the common stuff, is harder to find. So, like, by buying some of those now affordable systems that you missed out on, because a lot of disc based media is still dirt cheap, especially from the last two gens, like, now mm-hmm. you've got options. So, when you go out there and you don't find your NES games that you're missing, nine times out of 10, at least you can get like the PlayStation 2 game for like 50 cents, you know, something it, it makes it a little more fun. Otherwise, you're coming right. home empty-handed yeah. a ton, which is the sad reality these days. And I've been used to that for years, where you just don't find anything, mm-hmm. and and so that's just been fun to see, you know, GameCube stuff popping up in my collection. And uh, I think something that's really excited me in the last six months is Turbo Graphics 16, where I'm just like, this thing is so awesome. Did you buy the? Did either of you buy the EverDrive that I sent you the sale? For no, you? I didn't. Bastards! It was a good deal. <laughs> Once a it year, it was a good deal. It was a good deal. But I just that's been really cool for me too. I feel like, I mean, not to get all sappy on you guys, but the start of the podcast or meeting you guys through YouTube, etc. Like you guys just like opened up my collection and I feel like if I didn't meet you guys and didn't uh, hang out with you guys, I would still be, you wouldn't be poor playing the NES. (laughs) I'd have more money for sure. That's we've ruined you. (laughs) I'm broke. Uh, Yeah. That, that I would still be just playing the NES and still be just content with the library of games that I've, that I've had over I don't, I probably 12 years or 12 or 13 years. So, yeah. And like, you know, not to get all sappy either, but like, that's a huge point of the last 10 years for me too, is, you know, kind of coming out of that age where like all of us kind of transitioned in that weird space where we became adults, where mainstream gaming wasn't quite there yet. So you become an adult, there's still a stigma to it. There's still some stigma, but now I feel like it's getting more normalized as, as uh, we're getting older, um, you know, and people like us have young kids and we just accept that you game throughout your life because we're still doing it. So like <clears throat> collecting and playing games was something you've, you very much like bottled up. At least you didn't talk to a lot of people about it. I mean, when you're in your twenties and you're, you're starting out in your professional career or whatever, there are still people that do it and you, you can have conversations about Call of Duties, but certainly like from the retro scene and collecting all that, everyone had the nostalgia, but it was sort of just this personalized thing that I kept to myself. And, you know, you're looking back almost six years ago for me now, um, when I, when I made the leap and decided to just dive into, I'm out here game hunting. I'm out here collecting. There are people on YouTube doing it. Why can't I do that too? Like more so just for me, it was like just a cool thing I could do. It was fun. Um, you know, and for a long time, nobody watched that. And then, you know, that started picking up and my circle of people that I started to know grew. And in fact, that's how we've all met on this podcast. So the last six years, you know, that, that had a huge impact on me in this last decade. Andy reached out to me through 
God, what, what, what was it again? Like I bought something off of our friend's mobile game world at a flea market and had yeah and he shared your video yes because i thanked yep. him for letting me film it it was like the very first time i'd asked anybody if i could film i was like i was super <laughs> introverted then like i'm i'm an introverted person now still but like all the the years of youtube and the, this podcast has changed that and yeah i remember asking them like sheepishly like feeling like a dumbass if i could you know <laughs> film this thing and yeah they shared it out and then you had emailed that's right yeah and then that was, was quite a long time ago oh, yeah we've known each other i bet that was my first year of youtube so you and i have known each other probably a little over five years now yeah and then we had right. that like awkward meetup where you're like hey i run this game business you want to meet up some and i'm like uh yeah this is, this is like a weird like tinder or craigslist meetup moment <laughs> <laughs> and then like we just kind of hit it off um you know i think at first you were probably looking for somebody to help you out with your business a little more and then I think on one of our trips, like you'd offered to like throw me some cash to go with you. And it, I think I handed some of it back. I spent some of it and I was like, dude, like if you want me to do this stuff, like I like it, I'll just go for free. Like, let's just hang out. And that was kind of it. And, uh, yeah, it was great. And then we did that for a few years and then I don't even know how Nate, Nate got through Twitter, through YouTube. I think you had heard about him and yeah, I, I started like, watching him Yeah, at some point. Yeah. And, and then, then I, I saw the North Dakota as his logo. I'm like, well, that's weird. <laughs> right. Yeah, Cause there's like five people in North Dakota <laughs> and less the game. Yeah. Then I remember you said, I think you said something on Twitter. I checked out his channel and I was like, well, what the fuck? I thought I was the, I really honestly believed at that point in time, our world has gotten much bigger, but I really truly believed that like Andy and I were po the only possible people in our area that were doing anything like this. Cause Andy had a YouTube channel back then too. And you would document your pickups. We all, we all did. We all kind of came up from the pickups scene. And then to find out that Nate was like right there, like our age doing the exact same thing. <laughs> and then what pissed me off, because I saw the very first video hitting the same flea markets and getting better shit than I came home with. And I was like, cool. And then, uh, oh gosh, yeah, that was, yeah. God, I bet it's been almost three years now that I met you. Yeah. Uh, or at least became aware of yeah, you. I would say you. it's about three, it's been, about three years, but I thought the same thing that. I'm literally the only guy in North Dakota that does right. this. Because you feel so, so ashamed Andy is about this it common, Right, yeah. So Andy's this common thread that was like, hey, go check this out, or you need to go check this out, and then linked everybody together yeah. that, yeah, and then we're like, hey, we should, we should yeah, do you a really podcast, are, uh, all this stuff. It's so weird. It's just really random how it all happened. But You're like yeah. that dude. Uh, you're Samuel L. Jackson. I'm like LinkedIn Avengers. of retro gaming. You just you look <laughs> exactly like him too, Samuel. Can you get an eye patch, please? <laughs> yes, I need to start saying motherfucker more. I guess. But. I'm tired of these motherfucking games on this motherfucking plane. <laughs> yeah, no. So that I mean, that's been like when I look back at, you know, um, the last ten years. Like there was obviously that like kind of getting back into gaming, and then like just the community and like how much that has changed, you know, my life in the last few years with you guys and these projects and this podcast, like we do this stuff. If you're listening, you obviously know we do this because we love it and we love talking to each other and we, love and we make hobby. a lot of money doing it. Oh, we are so <laughs> rich. Oh gosh. I, I just sleep on top of the piles of money that people throw at us for this podcast. Yeah. yeah. I sleep with them, so no, I'm just yes. <laughs> one time, one time it was in Milwaukee, so yeah, 
so yeah, it's been kind of cool when I think back and like, I think back to all, I mean, you know, when I, like I said, like I'm a much different person now, but like, even now when I meet all these people that I've known through YouTube and you meet them at conventions, like, I think a lot of people are surprised because they see you on a video and like, yeah, I'm comfortable talking and being energetic to no one in a room with a camera on me. But like when I meet these people that like you arguably know them pretty well through your channels and it's just like, I don't know what to say. And I feel so like weird about it. Um, obviously we've gotten past that stage with this crew. like we're all friends. We hang out in real life at this point, but yeah, it's been, it's been pretty awesome. I gotta say, like, I never thought I'd have a group of friends who liked the exact same dumbass dorky video game shit that I do. Um, and it's kind of <laughs> cool. My wife loves it for years. Now, yes. <laughs> I've had no friends. I, this is going to sound so pathetic. Aww. I've had zero friends and, and my wife would just sit in the living room and she's like, don't you have anybody like go do something? And I was like, I don't, I don't know any, like I'm a transplant. I'm not from here. And so I'm like, I don't know anybody. And uh, so now to find someone or find people to like hang out with, she's like, you're out more than, than I am. You're, you're going out <laughs> playing video games. You're, you're staying out downtown Fargo at replay games until midnight or 11 o'clock or whatever it is. And, eating fruit snacks and drinking soda and playing <laughs> video games. It's pretty innocent. So. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's really interesting that I think me and you, Ryan had the same trajectory almost where like in the like early two thousands, I just, I don't know if I was burnt out on games or I just didn't think games was cool anymore or whatever. I guess I play Guitar Hero a lot. But other than that, like, yeah, I skipped that whole entire generation almost as well. Mm -hmm. And then, like, 2007 rolled around and I was, like, back to, like, roots, you know, NES old stuff. So, yeah, that yeah. we really helped bring back a lot of that, I feel. With yeah, maybe that's what it was, yeah. And all that. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. It kind of rekindled that memory and then that's what I got into collecting and you know, game hunting a lot was back in those days. Well, what I think is interesting with you is like you full on made retro gaming and game hunting and reselling. And that was your livelihood. Like you did that for what? Three years, probably full time. Uh, or yeah. Two? two, two years. I did it full time. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I'm still doing it for, but obviously that market slowed down quite a bit. Just, just because the 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 stock isn't around anymore and the the margins are basically yeah. nothing. <laughs> no, you hit on it like right when it was still like primed and up and coming like before everyone jumped on. I mean, Christ, you probably beat me to YouTube by what a year or two? I mean, you were oh, doing your hunting remember. stuff. You had quite a few videos and content out before cuz once I'd met you, I was like, "Oh, I'll check out your channel cuz you'd mentioned it too and I want to say you were doing like let's plays before let's plays was the thing. Cause you had your whole play to order <laughs> and it was pretty early on, man. Yeah. That was, that was a while ago. Yeah. I don't even know how long ago that was, but it was a dark time. Dark YouTube. <laughs> it was a dark, dark time. I remember being like so jealous when I first met you. Cause you're like living the dream, right? Like I'm sitting in a cube, like slaving away at some meaningless like office job and you're like 
texted me from like five states over like some amazing game you found for three dollars at a thrift store <laughs> just like son of a bitch yeah those days are pretty much over yeah well it was pretty awesome that you got to do that though and they've been generous all these years like with helping nate and i get good deals and build up our collections and not that we don't all give each other bro price at this point and just keep the channels open but You've been pretty instrumental in building a lot of that, especially for me. Yep. Same here. You sold me a GameCube and gave me the Matrix with it. And the finest GameCube game. The finest GameCube. (laughs) And I knew from that moment, like, I'm going to get the hookup from, (laughs) I'm going to get the hookup because of the Matrix. Uh, God, I still remember that makes me laugh. Like that first, that first or second episode you were on the podcast, and then Andy had found that top loader in the box, and you guys were like working out a deal to like buy the box off. And we're like, whoa, <laughs> f this noise! Like, who's this guy? So you guys that are listening to this, like we use some cameras so we can see each other and talk to each other, and that was something that was kind of half happening between segments or whatever you had to run up and go take a piss or whatever and and so he's like yeah i got this this box top loader and i'm sweating i'm like oh yeah yeah and you're like okay well we'll talk this and you come back and we're still talking about this top loader and this face (laughs) stares into the camera (laughs) if you guys i wish you could have seen i wish i could have recorded it your face was staring right at me like I'm going to murder you. Like yeah. there was death in your eyes. And uh, Andy's just like <laughs> kindly backs up like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Like just got really, really quiet. And, and then texts were flying later that night. Like you're a jerk. <laughs> I'm like, Andy's my hookup. I get yeah. first dibs. Yeah. What are you doing, man? New yeah. guy. Sorry. Yeah. I, I might've overreacted, but it's funny to look at now. Sorry. Andy was attracted to the new new character yeah. coming in. I still need that box. <sighs> Son of a bitch. I need that box. So, yeah. That stuff cracks me up. I mean, we're still... I mean, we're, we're kind of getting a little off subject, but, man, that we are still very competitive. Yeah, Just when it comes to Nintendo stuff. You're blocking me out. I'm, I'm blocking you out. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's still... <laughs> gets a when little we, intense between but, between us on, on well, and Andy a, just strolls around and he's like you know we're fighting over stupid things and he comes back with these giant bags of stuff and he's like yeah. oh you guys are still fighting over that I got I got all this I feel like you guys are like you think like I'm a baby or something and you're like they're like where's Andy where is he <laughs> but whenever we're game hunting he's like we gotta go find him he's my See, my spidey senses are going off here. I don't worry as much about you because most of the time I know that if you find something amazing, like you're okay with like selling or trading it if we really want it. But when I turn around and I don't see Nate, that's when I panic. Because I'm like, oh shit, he found like a box NES for like 50 cents a game. And I gotta like track him down, shake him up. Like we recently went to a flea market in St. Cloud, uh, which is yeah. about a couple hours away. And that was funny because... I would be one booth ahead of you and all of a sudden I see you kind of like speed walk behind me <laughs> to the next booth so you could just get one booth ahead of me and then I'm like, yeah. no, I got to get that booth. And then Andy's missing. Who knows where he's at? 
<laughs> I'm behind you guys. I catch up to you guys and like, look what I bought. You guys yeah, you have like a wagon it. full of shit. It was amazing. Every time I turn around, you had another bag. Yeah. You guys so were just skipping by. It's just crack me up in the last few years of just like the gaming. Like we're serious collectors, but we're also just completely idiots, like yeah. complete idiots. Just. Well, it's so dumb too. Other. Cause like we give each other so much stuff like back and forth and like just open, like, here you go. But like when we're on the hunt, like, holy crap, is it real? But yeah, you're right though, Andy. Cause like Nate and I are like surface level, no gray cart. We immediately like brain shut down, move on to the next. And you're just like pulling out PS2 gems that we didn't bother to even think about. Like I, yeah. I still remember turning around and witnessing that deal where you ask the guy, well, how much are all these games here? Oh, buck a piece. And I'm like, son of a, <laughs> it was like all that GameCube and PS2 stuff. You get the Alice yeah. game. <sighs> yeah that was that was like the last time that i've actually had a lot of fun at a flea market yeah or any type of game hunting that was great that was a good day trip at least the game hunting side the rest of it like you said is always fun i regret uh, the i think Mongolian food oh i don't know that was not good. as much as you guys did i didn't hate the it. Fir- that that first time i think nate was on a trip with us and we went to that goodwill Oh my god! Found Zelda: The Wind Waker and At, practically slapped it out of his hands. Watertown, Watertown, South Dakota. Yeah. Snap my wrist! I was and like, "Holy that. man, this guy's not coming back after <laughs> after that." We, I jumped into a car of guys that I hardly knew. Yeah, and I was glad I did. But we we decided to game hunt all the way down to this big sale that we were going to, and yeah, this Goodwill. It, I don't even have a, a GameCube. Or did I at that time? You were looking for one. I was looking for one, and it was this game that both of our hands were... It was Zelda, and both of our hands were going up in slow-mo, and it was going to the same game. Like, we are going to hold hands, and Ryan just slaps me, like... <laughs> Get away. I just remember you being like, I don't even have a GameCube. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care. It's mine. Mine. Yeah. You just, yeah. <laughs> it, I think I got, got yeah, Wind Waker for four bucks. That, that set the tone for the relationship of everybody. And yeah, yeah it was hilarious. Well, it's so funny because like, you know, the trial by fire, like just jumping in with complete strangers and going on these trips. Cause that's kind of like after the initial, like one or two brief interactions that Andy and I had. It was just like, hey, I'm going, yeah, I get a text from him, like, hey, I'm going to Portland. You want to come along? I'm like, okay. Thousand then, miles. Let's right. And he's not flying to Portland from the Midwest, <laughs> mind you, for the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. He's driving. So Andy and I, who just, I would, we were like friendly acquaintances at that point, got to spend a lot of time together. I learned a lot about you that trip. <laughs> Small bladder, <laughs> smelly ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I learned fun, that quick as well. I think that's your staple. <laughs> that's your calling card. We head down to that sale and I'm throwing up in the back because you're you're farting. <laughs> oh. Get your I snick I, kit. I was laughing with my parents at Thanksgiving cuz I was telling them the story about how when you came over to pick up some of that stuff there was that dried cat turd i found on the floor and like i picked it up barehanded because i didn't know what it was and i threw it away and eight's just in the corner like dry (laughs) heaving to himself i got a soft (laughs) stomach guys i can't handle it so i mean yeah like 
you know that that's been like a huge part of the decade for us all and it's, it's been great and like i love hanging out with you guys and doing this podcast so that's awesome but then Aww. like from the gaming scene like gaming almost completely changed over the last 10 years in the way that people look at games in the way that developers release games the states that they release them in you know triple a developers the cost of gaming have changed so people don't take risks we get sequels to sure things it's rare that you get a new game you know and then like we've been talking about with our retro hobby the beginning of this decade was almost the end um you know 10 maybe 2010 to 2012 was when it was beginning to build up steam but still low level you could still go out and find the stuff there wasn't awareness of retro games being valuable to the casual market. And then we kind of saw the demise, I guess, at least in my opinion, for a lot of the joy and just the way that I think all of us grew our own collections and the fun that we had, which was going to thrift stores, going to garage sales. And, you know, when we did it, we were starting out, you're basically buying junk that nobody wanted um but we cherished and then over the last 10 years up till now it's kind of gotten to the point where it's insane and i can't go anywhere and find it certainly not for pennies uh so kind of it's kind of sad to see that cuz like i look back to when you know before i had kids you know and i was newly married and the stuff was still junk and i i really liked going out there and like finding it and it was cool and it was easy and uh, now it's just kind of outside of conventions or eBay. It's a crapshoot. It's really disgusting if you think about it. Because when we were hitting those garage sales and doing a buck a game or 50 cents a game or whatever it was, and then you'd find those like $5 games and you're like, I'm not spending $5 on that. Yeah. <laughs> I will never spend $5 on a game. And then a... A year goes by and you're spending five to ten dollars yeah. on a game, and then years go by and it's twenty to forty, <laughs> hundred to one hundred and fifty. You go to, you know, the Midwest Gaming Classic and you're dumping thousands of dollars yeah. on games. That it's just sickening to. I'm never gonna do that. I'm never gonna do that. And then all of a sudden, just <sighs> here's my wallet. Take it all. I remember arguing with an Arc thrift store employee about an NES with two controllers and like 10 games that they were trying to sell for 25 bucks. I'm like, you're insane. Like that's way too, this is trash. I'm like, I just want like three of the games. Let me buy them for like a dollar. And I just, now I'm like, man, what was I thinking? Like I, just buy it. Shut up at that I'd, point. Yeah. Right. I'd buy bags of that stuff at that price these days. Yeah. You just can't, you can't. It's so f funny because now you see it so far on the other side of the spectrum that I, I think there's a lot of people that are buying games for more than what they're worth in, in like junk games. Yeah. Cause you'll have the common people show up to a garage sale and be like, Oh, video games are worth money. So then they'll buy all the games and most, you know, a lot of times they're junk and they're not worth anything. So didn't these people are actually paying it. Yeah. And didn't you say you came across a guy a few years ago who was like buying lots on eBay? Like thinking like with that mentality and you said he was just like thousands of sports games, but it was because oh, yeah. the price per unit was so low. We thought he was getting a steal. Yeah. He had an entire house full of games and he, yeah, he, he was getting into like, he 
he's treating like boxed sealed turbo graphics games like it was like apple stock you know <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> Well, that probably wasn't a bad investment, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. That's the one place where he didn't screw up. But yeah. those, like, 3,000 copies of 989 sports games on whatever system aren't going anywhere. Yeah. But that's where I got my Turbo Graphics, and that's, you know... T- to see that, the the games that he had, that he was just buying off eBay and holding for a little bit and selling, it was it was insane that he lived, like, 10 minutes away from me, you know? Like, again, like, you don't realize that there's people, you know, that has that stuff around you. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. I think probably the biggest thing that happened to all of us in this decade was our children. Yeah. And that changed how we game a lot, I think. (laughs) changed gaming we forever yeah. yeah yeah it really does like you have to kind of look at it in a different way and you have to be more practical about your income because it's not you know usually i think with most people once you have kids like it puts a fire under your butt like everyone works harder we all we all gain more experience through life and like you get better paying jobs and things too but like collecting takes a back seat um I think one of the things that surprised me, at least initially, was like I thought I would be playing pretty much no games once I had a kid. But as a, a lot of dads, you know, gamer dads will know, it's, you know, really those first couple, three years, nobody's really getting at sleep, getting sleep at home. So when I thought my gaming would end, my wife was going to bed and I'd have to be up and like doing the diapers and the bottles. So, you know, for those couple of years, like I got really good at playing video games with a controller in my hand and, you know, the one of the kids curled up in there. Uh, so that was kind of cool. And then my collecting just kind of was there, but you know, I didn't get out to do it as much. Uh, but the, one of the things I think I've loved, especially now in the more recent couple of years is like my kids getting to that age in this last decade where I can enjoy games with them and, um, you know, just kind of see the joy on their face and kind of introduce them to a lot of these games and franchises that we all grew up on as kids and loved and like seeing my son, my daughter getting my my son more so my daughter's kind of getting out of it that's a pretty awesome thing as a dad and a gamer and um it kind of changes you know you you're, you're looking at your hobby in a different way but like it it adds like a whole new layer to it which i think is awesome i agree yeah. that's that's been it's been a weird change and a cool change um so my daughter's not into video games unless it's just dance obviously because i bought that for the nintendo switch opening day just throwing that out there again Um, (laughs) hashtag mistakes hashtag (laughs) we all make mistakes um my son my son is really diving into video games a lot and um you know i have mixed feelings sometimes where i'm i just want video games was my thing and like quiet time and me just doing that and so that's been tough for me to have someone do it with me and and say okay this is how you do it press this button because i never had that as a kid i never had someone okay this is what you need to do my my dad didn't really do that and so it's taking a little bit more time for me to say okay i'm gonna take the time i'm gonna help you with this game or we're gonna sit down and play this game together and i think a lot of it was just space um you know, my game rooms have always been pretty small or just 
not really conducive to you know kids and stuff like that and now in the new space that I'm in it's kind of opening it up more where you know he has the freedom to to grab an NES game and just go for it and and that's been fun to watch playing the playing the classics that what what he thinks is gems compared to what I think are gems like the games that he <laughs> he goes to that he's American like American oh, Ninja Warrior all the way yeah. huh? Yeah, like I've been, we went video game hunting. I'm sure I talked about this before, but uh, I think it was for his birthday. And I was like, okay, pick out a game. And this is when there were some really good Switch releases out. And I can't even remember which ones. And it might have been like Mario Maker. I think it was around Mario Maker. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at the Ninja American Ninja Warrior Switch game. I was like, why don't you get the Mario Maker? I think you'd enjoy it because I'm going to enjoy it more. And I'm going to play it. And he was like, no, I think this is going to be a better game. And I was like, no, like, I know it's not going to be a better game. And he's like, it's it's my birthday present, Dad. And I was like, I know, but we're only going to buy one game today. And I want it to be the mine. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we did like, on Black Friday. Uh, we were out uh, in the, the chaos and there were, really wasn't a ton of deals it was kind of crappy but he's been bugging me on can i get luigi's mansion can i get luigi luigi's mansion and no it's 60 bucks i'm not gonna buy it not gonna buy it and then black friday came around it wasn't on sale or anything like that but it was just (laughs) that moment that i was like why am i saying no to a really good game that i want to play yeah and and so i was like yeah get it get it but we're not playing it together right now. And right now he's kind of just jumping in um, by himself. But yeah, gaming with kids, is it's been really weird. Cool. It's been really cool, but also very strange. Yeah, it just turns into a lot of that, like finding the, the game that you can play together or, you know, and it, ditching the games that you can't play in front of them quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot less of that. Yeah, that's a good point. There's a lot of things that you're like, just due to the slim hours in which you are able to experience them, you just can't get to. Yep. And that'll just get worse as as kids stay up later and later, right? So. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then they'll be wanting to play them themselves, so. I think when I was playing Grand Theft Auto, when I borrowed it and I just was playing it for a little bit. I mean, that was, that was kind of an eye opener where, I mean, it's not a, a, it's a good game, but not for kids. And, uh, for him to come down to the game room and like, I want to play games. I want to play games. And I was immersed in this game and it's like, Hey dude, you can't be in here. You can't be in here. That was kind of a wake up call that like, I got to watch what I'm playing so that he can enjoy the stuff too. So Right. kind of have to shift a little bit yeah because we're all in like the positions with our collections where in the spaces that we play games there are other games and other systems so a lot of times is in the situation nate's pointing out like you're playing what you want on a device but your kid's sitting there two feet away playing something else but not really out of sync with what you're doing so yeah i've, I've found myself in that situation too where you're like i just i gotta turn this off you know just kind of like what we talked we've talked about in the past like how <clears throat> the wife and I were big into horror movies it's like well you fall out of that because yeah. it just does not it's not conducive to like 
being a good parent and keeping your kids because kids as they get older you know they just come to you there's like this sweet spot like once they get over the age of six i feel like where they're kind of like a little more independent but like three to five when they can go like maybe two minutes without asking you for something dumb and i love my kids but like they're never not in the room you know even now today like <laughs> right like, now i don't know how many like, times i like, immediately in the last, now in the last month, I don't know how many times I've stated to my reiterated to my children, the upstairs living room and TV, where I also have my record player and collection, is mom and dad's space. There is a reason I gave you bedroom TVs and you have your own rooms. I'm like, please turn off DuckTales, give me my TV <laughs> remote, and leave. But you know what happens? I come back the next day and they're watching DuckTales, so, which I'm also okay with. But yeah, you're never alone with kids our age yeah well and it's cool that we're all dads that you know i i think we all had dads that weren't really into games and didn't really care about them didn't really know anything about them we are pretty cool dads aren't we against them yeah (laughs) Yeah. i know i i wonder about that with my son all the time because like it just i don't think there was really much of the opportunity outside of like uh my retro life or my life in gaming or whatever that guy's channel is uh like I've ne- I don't recall any dads like that when we were growing up where he's like actively excited helping you collect games. Like I hope my kids look back and at least for a few years we're like, yeah, they're so cool. Like all these games, you know. Eventually it's going to turn to resentment and like uh, mocking. I assume in the early teens, but for now we're in that sweet spot where it's still cool dad with lots of games. <laughs> lots of toys and figurines and. A lot of screaming, don't touch that, don't touch us. Yes. that's mint, but it's in a box and I want to open the box. Don't open the box. <laughs> then they open the box. <laughs> I'll cut you. Yeah, every, every time I, there's, yeah, you can't have a nice collection with kids all the time because they just grab the boxes and squeeze them. And my son is notorious. Like if something's in the box, Hey dad, what's it? What's, what's this? I want to play with it. Please yeah. don't. Please don't. I would say half of my Wii U collection has been on shrink wrap due to my children. Like I'll come home from a weekend away and there'll be like eight games on the steps. And I'm like, I did not open that. <laughs> That's cool. Thanks for asking. I can't believe all your Amiibo are still yeah. packaged. Well, you know, my children are smart and they realize much sooner than I did in life that Amiibo are stupid and you shouldn't buy a wall of them because they're dumb. You'll get it someday. There we go. Talking about the last decade. Let's talk about some regret. Amiibo. Number one on my list. <laughs> and yet you just recently bought one, didn't Don't, you? I, my wife made the exact same comment today when I mocked the Amiibo at Best Buy. So, yes. Thank you for pointing out that I still continue <laughs> okay. to buy them. Just want to. But wanna I hate love out. them a little bit. Wait, okay, how about that biggest regret? regret? Be. Yeah, last decade, gaming-wise, biggest regret, guys. Amiibo's number uh, one for me, for sure. Uh, Crackdown 3 would be number two for me. <laughs> I wish I hadn't played that. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I would probably say limited run for me. Oh, yeah. You did get mm. hit hard by that, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, but financially, 
that bad decision could pay off heavily for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably not really out much if I sold everything. I don't think I probably. I bet you'd come up ahead, don't you think? Yeah, probably. Isn't breach and clear still worth like damn near a thousand bucks? I don't know if it's that high, but it's a few hundred. Yeah. Yeah. But once they started getting going, they're they're pretty much what they go what the, you bought them new for. Sure. I have no idea. Probably some recent uh, Famicom games I got. <laughs> Just joking. I heard you got them at a good deal. Wink, wink. Yeah, yeah. Playing the Matrix on GameCube. That's probably one. I don't know. I not necessarily that I regret it. Like the boxed NES stuff was stuff that I never really. The road that I didn't want to go down, like cardboard and stuff like that. Right. And then a deal came around and I paid for it. And then, yeah, now I'm like, oh, I need this one. And I, I would like to find this one. And you start <laughs> becoming a little more accepting of more stuff. And I mean, that's just my collecting in general now. But what I love been... about this conversation and what you're saying right now and that our viewers can appreciate is that while he's talking about this regret, it's literally backlit with red glowing lights on the wall behind him. <laughs> like oh this demonic gosh. shrine haunting his bad decisions. No, <laughs> just going down that road, I think, isn't a huge regret. But Yeah, but you um, did it the right way. Like you only did console boxes. Like you're not doing every game. Like that's a different level of yeah. shelling out and manuals. I mean, if you're going to, plus in the deal that you got to do it. I think actually one of the probably regrets of my collecting was the amount of manuals that, that I obtained over the years of, you know, here's an NES game with a manual and it just comes with it, but then trading them all off for an NES game, which is fine. But I was kind of, now that I think about it, I'm like, man, those manuals were kind of cool to have. Especially the game you traded it for. They didn't cost anything, and, and you know, for what I bought them. But what was the game you got? So our viewers or listeners, Contra Force. Yeah, and and the manuals weren't anything rare or crazy, but I don't know. It was kind of cool to have at that time. And I am deep down, I'm like, maybe I should find those manuals again. But I don't want to go down that road because ten years from now, in this podcast, I'll be regretting that decision 10 years from now in this podcast i'm gonna regret still doing this podcast (laughs) yeah episode 975 here ryan shits his pants (laughs) again i just love how your story was like you got into collecting you know something like going for a set of something because you got a really good deal on something yeah and uh that sounds awfully familiar to Atari Jaguar scenario. Oh yeah. Oh no, I love the except I have no regret finding an Atari Jaguar. So like, yes, in my okay, so that's one of the greatest things too from the last decade. And a lot of this happened like prior to me doing YouTube or early on in YouTube, like almost six years ago, like some of these things. Like I found some of these like what I considered holy grail consoles, the turbo graphics, the Jaguar. I found them out in the wild. But yeah, to Andy's point, I I came across the garage sale one day and like I walked out with bags of stuff 
And one of those things was that box Jaguar. And I've just like gone on a mission to find Jaguar wherever I can. And whenever I can, I don't go online and get it. I'll buy it only shops. If I find it <laughs> thrift stores doesn't happen or, you know, it um, sucks conventions and no, the Jaguar is fucking awesome. And it, Pisses me off that Nate doesn't appreciate the power of the Jaguar. 64 bits, Nate. Do the freaking math. Well, we all know the Nintendo 64 is superior. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> by by far. You know, you, my regret of the decade was murdering <laughs> Nate uh, after recording of episode 62 and being in prison my, for the rest of my life. My, my latest regret in the last two days, killing yeah. Nate. No. Yeah, I, I, I remember going to your house and you're like, you ever play a Jaguar? No. Why would I ever play one? And then <laughs> it's awesome. Sit down and play it. And then you're like, look at look at this. Look at this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this sucks so bad. Uh, it sucks so good. <laughs> sucks Although Tempest, so good. I played Tempest, right? Yeah, Tempest 2000 is amazing. That was great. That was good. Yeah. But everything else garbage. So is Tempest in the arcade. Yes. Right. <laughs> That is probably the most obscure thing. I mean, you have a lot of weird things in your collection. Very unusual stuff. Yeah. Councils and everything. That is probably one of the craziest things. Because no one goes looking for a Jaguar thing. It finds you. You don't find it. Yeah. I certainly (laughs) never would have expected to find a boxed one complete at a garage sale. And the games keep on coming. Yeah. Yeah, I've got... Little over half the cartridge library. I love it. I mean, I I, yeah, I know it sucks, but there's it's that combined nostalgia of the Atari being my first console, the twenty six hundred, and then just the fact that this was some obscure last attempt at them to ma- remain in the console scene. Seeing it as a kid, wanting it, it being gone before it ever got started. So I know it's bad. And finding it, finding it in the it's, wild. It, I that's compare like yeah, having a jaguar is like having a kid that's a piece of shit. Like he's always in trouble. <laughs> You're always like apologizing for him and talking to the principal, and you know he's a little motherfucker. But goddamn it, he's your kid, and you love him anyway. You know? Oh my gosh, there's gonna be some kids. good in there. I don't have a piece of shit kid, so the jaguar is my piece of shit kid. I like it. Can't control it. We're shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Hashtag not regrets for me. I, I love the Jaguar. I don't know. That was kind of fun going back through the decade. I think what we're going to do, um, because we're at the end of the year, usually we do a game of the year, but I think this next episode, because we're gonna have one more episode that's going to drop right at the end of the year. We'll kind of do something similar next episode and, and talk at least in part about our predictions for 2020 things that are going to happen, things in gaming, console launches. 2020 is going to be an interesting year for the next generation. Uh, I think we're going to see some big things. So stay tuned for that. And let's move on to the ending segment of the podcast.
so let's do um, a little more trivia. We did this last episode for the first time. We are playing Ultimate Video Game Trivia, this amazing game that I picked up at Target. And uh, you guys fared pretty well with the questions last time. I think I'm up, what, 15 nothing? <laughs> yeah, I was listening yeah, to that undefeated. recording. You get like one question right. You're like four to seven. Like, <laughs> I just, that's how numbers. I get through life here. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go through a few more of these. We've got some time. Uh, and test everyone's video game knowledge. Well, not everyone's. Andy and Nate specifically. First answer, throw out the answer, gets them. So be on your toes, fellas. Um, Carvo Antano is a protagonist of which game series? I I wouldn't get this one. Oh, it sounds familiar. Bugs Life. It has a sequel. Bugs Life 2. There have only been... Dishonored? Yes. My next clue is going to be, you can find them both in Target clearance bins. What did you say? What was it? <laughs> it's dishonored. dishonored. Oh, yeah, that was I was gonna guess that one. Yeah. <laughs> right on the tip of your tongue, huh? Yep. Okay. Next question. In the nineteen ninety eight game Metal Gear Solid, what is the name of the rogue black ops unit led by Liquid Snake? Um With Kojima, like, it really could be named anything, but this one's uh, actually not that nonsensical. I have no idea. It, it's I don't named know. after Is it a fox die? Ah, close. Fox hound. Okay. So, fox die is something in that game. I forget what it was. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Metal Gear 2 0. <laughs> <laughs> in Mass Effect, which alien species is affected? By the genophage? Are we talking movies or video games? <laughs> video games. I think Dang Andy's it. probably the only one who's played Mass Effect. <laughs> uh, genophage. Which one was that? It was whatever the Rex character is. The Krogan? Yes, that's okay. what it is. I have no idea. I'm going to give you that. These are harder ones. 3-0. Whose experiments with the time machine kick off the events of Con- Command and Conquer Red Alert? This is a weird one. Real human being also. Experiments. Cold War. Wait, it's it's the actor that plays it? No, no, no. no it oh. was a real human being who could have done oh. experiments. Hmm. Stalin. That's a good guess. <laughs> Scientist. World War II. Oh. Atomic bombs. Oh. Einstein. There you go. Einstein. You got it. 4 0. I'm going to start skipping some of these that I don't. Oh, this is a good one. These are hard. These this are really a, hard. This is a good one. I, right, I'm, I'm ready. I expect this to come quickly. And uh, I bet you do. Just to be a race. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What are the inputs for the Konami code? Up, up, down, down, <sighs> left, right, left, right, B, A, start, or yes. select, start, depending select, on Stay left, select, and start off, but yes, you nailed it. Yes. Yeah. I have that tattooed on my body. Really? 
Yeah. Yeah. On your dick in 24 point font. Up, up, down, down. Right, left, right. <laughs> With select start spelled out. Yeah. Good for you, Nate. It's a big tattoo. <laughs> get, congrats, you get 30 thrusts. <laughs> uh, congrats for you. Bad day for start her. gets a little weird. <laughs> uh, Two God. player Konami gets a little strange. <laughs> I am derailing this. Uh, first appearing in the 1986 game Castlevania. Player character Simon Belmont is usually seen wielding which type of weapon named the Vampire Killer? The whip. Yep. I'm going to call it a draw. You guys both got it. No, I said it first. <laughs> Seven zero. Uh, this is a weird one. So this one's movie and game related. In reference to Citizen Kane, which cheat code provided players of the 2000 game The Sims with a thousand simoleons in currency upon its entry? I'm a cheat. Citizen Kane. I've been, my only guess is Rosebud. It has to be Rosebud, yes. <laughs> Sim City was I'm a cheat. And you'd get that's right. Everything. Yeah. I'm a cheat. I'm a cheat. And then you'd get millions just of dollars. Money. Yeah. Nice. yeah. I love how they're just like, you have to admit it to do it. Yep. I have no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I use that code often. All right. Released in 1971, which computer game featured a journey to Willamette, Willamette Valley and a possible game over due to the player dying oh. of dysentery. <laughs> oh, Oregon Trail. Yeah. Yeah. 1971? Apparently. Oh, my god. It's been gosh. around a while. It's been around mm. a while. This one's topical. In Tom Clancy's The Division, on what day of the year is the virus spread throughout New, or throughout New York through infected banknotes? Black Friday. Ding, ding, ding. Nailed it. I think this is like fourteen zero. That's why you should shop online. That's right. You don't yeah, want to get you're saving people's lives. Exactly. Released in two thousand four, which video game was a prequel to the two thousand film Pitch Black and featured Vin Diesel reprising his role of Riddick? Great game too. Well. Is it a Riddick game? <laughs> yeah, but do you remember the name? It was a big deal. This was like amazing lighting. Like this was pre-Doom 3. It was kind of a showpiece. Just like Attack on Butcher Bay or something like that? Close enough, yeah. Chronicles of Riddick, Escape from Butcher Bay. Okay. It was an, I was a big Xbox guy, and that was the game you showed everybody who didn't have an Xbox, because damn, did that look good. Look at this Vin Diesel. Look at the light off his head. It's so oily. <laughs> he must have used baby oil. <laughs> In Limbo, what kind of creature briefly captures the boy near the start of the game? Pretty memorable. Spider? Yep, spider. Nate, have you played that? No. You need to play Limbo. Limbo on what? Uh, it's been on every major console. It's been on everything that's come out in the last... This gen and last gen, I think. 
Not okay. not we, I don't think, but everything else. Or Wii U. But yeah, buy that. There's I think there's actually a combo pack for the Switch now. You can get Limbo and Inside. Inside's okay too, but Limbo. Hmm. I'm still disturbed by the ending of Inside, to be honest. <laughs> um Yes. <laughs> In which game did Kitana first appear as a playable character? Three. What? What three? Mortal Kombat. Three. Mm, you're close. Used up my gas. Two. <laughs> yes, nailed it. Twenty zero. <laughs> How many Colossi is Wander tasked with defeating in Shadow of the Colossus? Seven. Just, no. I just I just played that. Is it ten? No. Eight? Twelve. Uh, <laughs> Sixteen Stop. is the right answer. Oh, wow. Don't <laughs> remember that many. That was my second guess. Developed by Rare, which side-scrolling beat-em-up game was released in 1991 in response to the popularity of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? This one's pretty obvious. Battletoads. Yep. I think we just tweeted about that today, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Battletoads on Genesis or NES? Not on Genesis, NES all the way. Ooh, Andy's going to get this one. Which four or which five colors are used on the fret buttons of Guitar Hero controllers? Which five or yeah, five colors? Red, green, blue, blue yellow, yellow, orange. Yep. Nailed it. I didn't finish my answer, Andy. Vetoed. <laughs> this wasn't this wasn't a team effort. This was a solo project, okay? Uh, was Rock Band the same colors? Yes, they took it over. I think, right? They just kind of copied it because yeah. the instruments were interchangeable on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I should. Yeah, take... must have been then. Man, I I really miss playing uh, the drums on Rock Band. I should take that out. I've got like that uh, Green Day Rock Band. I used to just freaking wail through that. So satisfying <laughs> to pretend you're a keep drummer. The, keep the whole house up at yeah. night, just wailing on drums. So on plastic <laughs> that's the yeah. worst part it's not actual drums it just sounds like you're whacking like plastic bins. yeah it's like you're beating like a rubber dummy over the head or something <laughs> it's not good uh in which nintendo 64 game does the player take on the role of joanna dark oh perfect dark how do you know that <laughs> andy i'm killing you right now i know which character 25-0 was regarded as the unofficial mascot of Sega before Sonic the Hedgehog? Alex Kidd. Heck yes. People forget about poor Alex Kidd. He was the Mario Murky wannabe. Bring paper rock scissors back to video games. Yeah. That's what I want. Uh the weird like jumping and punching like aspects of Alex Kidd were always just off-putting, even as a child. There's something not right about that. Introduced in Mario Kart 64 and a staple of the series since, which controversial projectile targets the race leader? 
blue shell. Yep. That was my cats in the background. If anybody's curious. Being douchebags. Um, that's weird. We that's like when, the, uh, the old that's cats. when Mario Kart started sucking. Hey, now they brought it back. <laughs> Mario Kart 8. Still's got blue shells, though. Yeah. But they get the they get the horn now. You can negate the blue shell with the horn. Yeah, that's like a one percent chance that you get the horn when you're in first place, anyway, right? Yeah, I mean that's true. And usually I use it so I can get something that's actually useful, mm-hmm. which you don't because video games. Game Boy's launch title Alleyway was a clone of which classic 1976 <laughs> Atari arcade game? Arkanoid. No. Oh shoot! We breakout. It is breakout. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they're all the same, but pretty much. What are the nicknames for the four Pac-Man ghosts? Ooh, Inky. Um, Blinky. Stinky. Stinky. Nope. There's a Clyde in there somewhere. There's a Clyde. That's the weird one. I'm amazed you got that. Inky, Blinky. Clyde. Winky. <laughs> Tinky. What'd you say? Tinky. Mm, Tinky Winky. It has to do with the color of one of them. Pinky. Pinky. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Clyde. I like how they just have a Clyde <laughs> in there. Like, I can't think of any more E words. Oh, well, Clyde. All right. 35 0. 35 0. You guys aren't going to know these. Uh, which studio was the developer for the 2018 game Spider-Man? PS4. This is it. Square oh, Enix? Melon. No, In- no, no, Insomniac. Yes, Insomniac. Oh, games. Insomniac. PlayStation's baby. Uh, in the multiplayer game... For, oh, so many 64 questions. In the multiplayer for Nintendo's... 64's classic GoldenEye 007. Which weapon is famed for its ability to defeat an opponent? Oh, can't talk. To defeat Golden an opponent. Gun. Yep. Nailed Dang. it. I couldn't even read and you got it. Yeah. That was my guess too before you even finished, but I'm like, I better finish it. Well, you get the point. I appreciate you not being I was much more shirt. respectful. Yes. Nate, how rude Respect of you. points. Point to 31. Point deductive. <laughs> 35 to 1. I got the respect point. Andy might get this one, so I'm going to read it. Which science fiction-themed Japanese role-playing game series is developed by Tri-Ace? Mahjong. That is one nice piece of ace. Is it Star Ocean? Yes. Wow, good job. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. (laughs) Wow. Too bad you didn't buzz in to get that point. (laughs) I don't think you guys are going to get all of this, but all except part of this is the right answer. Um, in the 1986 arcade game Outrun, what type of car does the player control? Yeah, Ferrari four three or uh Ferrari four 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 five four three three. Yeah, there's a five in there. I'm pretty sure. Yes, they just put Ferrari Tesserosa Spider is all they put. But Ferrari oh. was the answer I was looking for. Yeah, it has it has an F something number. I felt um, so bad sorry, flipping that car and killing that girl. Uh, I know. Do they have seatbelts on? That's what I've always wondered, because you can't see them. Mm. Lap belts? I mean, their heads are crushed in that convertible. It's tragic. 
Released yeah. by Nintendo. What is the name of the cardboard interactive toy line compatible with a Nintendo Switch console? Labo. Not correct. Nintendo Labo. Correct. <laughs> I thought it was Labia this whole time. <laughs> Labo. <laughs> uh, hey, Dad, I'm going to go play with the Labia. <laughs> um. No, the Nintendo Labia. <laughs> the it's Nintendo okay. Labia. Uh, it's, it's now for doctors. You do it for like three seconds and then you get bored. <laughs> God. I love the rabbit holes we go down. This is just, <laughs> uh, what is the name of the undead protagonist from the 1998 game? Medieval. Oh, I just, yeah, I know he, this. He's a skeleton guy. Yeah. Frank. Sir Dan. Sir Daniel, Daniel Fortescue? Yes. Wow. Amazing. I would not have even gotten the Sir Daniel part. <laughs> it's impressive. He's in uh, PlayStation Battle All-Stars. That's where I know him from. Oh, really? <laughs> God, man, we should really play that game as a... Like, what a trip that game is. It's weird. Like, just know? like all these characters that time forgot, and they're like, no, these are our All-Stars. <laughs> this, this is great. Fuck you, Smash. We can do this. <laughs> Uh, which video game is set at Bullworth Academy? Oh, Bully. Ah. Holy shit. Where'd that one come from? My butt. <laughs> well, your butt's smart. Thanks. You're head of the ass. That should be their next game. I would like a, another bully. That was I've, fun. I've heard rumors that that is happening potentially. Really? But then Ooh, I think somebody said those rumors aren't true, but I don't know. Mm. It's one of those things. Everybody keeps talking about it. What do they do next, though? Well, so rumors, GTA 7? Well, that, but rumors have been that they're working on a medieval game. Like a what? swords and like medieval, like that oh. era, like huh. Dark Ages. Potentially. Who knows? We'll see. Rockstar could do worse. I don't know. This 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 will probably be the last question. I think. I think we've rambled on long enough. So winner take all here. I got it. <laughs> you can't answer till I'm done reading. No cheating, Nate. Oh, okay. Um, released for the Sega CD peripheral to the Mega Drive in 1992, which full motion video game has the player protect Kelly Mead and others using traps and security cameras? Night trap. Night trap. Yep, and he got it. Suck That's it, not Nate. even true. I was up forty to one. <laughs> That's it's winner garbage. take all. That's how winner take all works. This, this was this a fifty rigged. point question. I hate this podcast. <laughs> it's okay. I worked. I worked We've, so hard reading video game books to learn this stuff. I appreciate the effort you put in. Hey, sadly, it's what not, I do. It's not enough. You should just go buy this game. And then look, look at all the cards. Yeah, that's true. Memorize the cards. Yeah, I, I got to do some studying, guys. <laughs> Immediately, <laughs> I'm going to be the like target. the Rain Man. <laughs> oh, oh, bully! <laughs> I don't. How did you get bully? Was it just the yeah, Bullworth just, Academy? Um, it rang a bell. That's huh. all. Never played it. I've heard it's Obviously. great. I own yeah. at least one copy of it. I think I have two, maybe. Don't you just walk around beat up people? I mean, kind of. Pretty much. Yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah. 
Want to take us out? Where do you want to go? Target. Let's go get that game. All right. Anyways, <laughs> thanks for strolling down memory lane with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Um, make sure you're following us on all our social medias, Twitter and Facebook. There's a lot of things posting on there as well as YouTube. Uh, hopefully we're going to be putting out some videos very soon. Things are in the works. So just be patient. So make sure that you're subscribed to all of that stuff. And you can uh, send us email, send us a comment, uh, maybe a gaming memory that uh, that you have in the last 10 years. You can send that to weekendrentalpodcast at gmail.com. We'll do our best to, to read all of them. Uh, and then make sure that you can find all things Weekend Rental at weekendpodcast.com as well as geekade.com. And as always, guys, be kind. Rewind. Do the math. Tickle my taint. Labia.